My lords, hear what I say to these two kings. <laughs> Renly Baratheon is nothing to me. Nor Stannis neither. Why should they rule over me and mine from some flowery seat in Highgarden or Dawn? What do they know of the war or the wolfswood? Or the barrels of the first men. Even the gods are wrong. The others take the Lannisters too. I've had a belly full of them. Why shouldn't we rule ourselves again? It was the dragons we married and the dragons are all dead. There sits the only king I mean to bend my knees to, my lords. The king of the north! King of the north! King of the north! Welcome to Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. Now I'm Evan Camacho. Every week, Evan and I meet up to discuss the kings and queen who sought the iron, who sat on the Iron Throne, and the men and women who sought the Iron Throne. Mm. As you can tell by that little reading from a game, a Game of Thrones, we are this week talking about the first man proclaimed King of the North in in 300 years. Mm. Rob. Stark. So, this is going to be our first part in our in our discussion of Rob Stark. Mm-hmm. But before we begin, first off, does he have a nickname? Yes. Yes. No Young name. Wolf. Yes, that was his nickname. Mm-hmm. Great nickname. Yeah. Now, um, what I tend to do before we start these episodes, now that we got some shows and to get get our episodes a bit longer and give you more fun trivia mm-hmm. about the actor who played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Richard Madden. Richard Madden. Just a quick little fun facts about him. Richard Madden is a Scottish act- actor. One of his earliest roles was playing Romeo in, in a Romeo and Juliet production. Mm-hmm. Madden played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones for three years. He enjoyed the experience <laughs> on the show he did admit some relief to be off the show as he had grown exhausted from playing the character for three years. And keep in mind, he said that after three years. So imagine how Sophie Turner and Amelia Clark and all the other great people on the show feel after like essentially 10 years. Mm-hmm. So since Game of Thrones, Madden has played Prince Charming in Kenneth Branagh's live action Cinderella opposite Lily James. Who we, also, who we also started with in a West End version of Romeo and Juliet with Lily James as well. Yes, that was what I was about to say, yes. Mm-hmm. And that was directed by Kenneth Branagh as well. He took the, his entire Cinderella cast and had them play in a production of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. I am so mad that this was not recorded and I cannot see this. I know. Form. I just like, oh! A Kenneth Branagh directed Romeo and Juliet why? Why can't mm. I know what he did? And apparently, apparently the, the critics loved it. Yes, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they were phenomenal in it. Mm. Madden has done indie works as well as returned to period work in a series on the Medici. Mm-hmm. For Game of Thrones fans, he is returning to work with Kit Harington in the upcoming MCU movie, The Eternals. Ooh. So that's going to be fun. So look out for that when it comes out. Mm-hmm. 
Also, to bring up more discussion of the show, um, the differences between show Rob and book Rob. In the show, Rob falls in love and marries Talisa Meiger, who was played by Una Chaplin, who, yes, is related to, to the Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Talisa Meiger, who is not the book's Jane Westerling. We get to see their romance in the show, Marriage Ceremony, and she actively advises Rob on his campaigns. Talisa reveals that she is pregnant and hopes to name the child Eddard if it's a boy. Unfortunately, mm. Talisa is horrifically murdered in the Red Wedding in the show edition. George R. R. Martin complimented David Benioff and Dan Weiss of being more bloodthirsty and shocking than he was for this choice. Ah. Rob has more scenes in season one with Theon. The show in general emphasizes that Theon's relationship with the Starks is better. With Theon being reassured by Rob that he regards him as a brother before Theon swears to serve Rob as his king. In the show, Rob is Theon's best friend, and his death torments Theon. Theon feels bad about it in the books, and he feels like he should have died with Rob at the Red Wedding, but it's not quite the same. Hmm. Other than Sansa, Rob is the only redhead in the Stark family in the show, whereas, oh. whereas only Arya has the Stark hair and gray eyes in the books. All of Ned's other kids look like a, a Tully. Interesting. We get a great scene of Rob with Jamie Lannister, where Rob threatens to kill him with Grey Wind in the show. Mm. That was also the great line where he says, like, Oh, do you, are you hurt when I call you boy? And then he just responds, No, you insult yourself, for you were bested by a boy. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, oh. Three victories don't make you a conqueror. It's better than three defeats. <laughs> yep. Good lines. Mm-hmm. So, on to the main back event. When the, back when the writing was good. Oh. <laughs> season. It was good till season seven-ish. Yeah. I still love the show, though. I love I all the seasons. I do, but that a little side remark that you see a thousand times on YouTube. Yes. And I'm not going to say they're not wrong, per se. Oh, no, neither am I. But, no, they're, they're great writers. So, The Life of Rob I. Rob Stark was born during Robert's Rebellion. He was the eldest child of Lady Catelyn Tully and Eddard Stark. At the time, Rob's life was in danger, as Ned was a leader of a, in the rebellion against the crown. But Ned and the Baratheons were victorious, and Rob was the heir to Winterfell and the North. Rob grew up with his bastard brother, Jon Snow. The two enjoyed playing with, each, with one another. Rob was more handsome and bulkier. He was a better fighter than Jon, but Jon was swifter and a better rider. At one mm. point during their games, where they pretended to be someone, Jon instantly innocently said that he was the Lord of Winterfell, at which point Rob objected, saying Rob that John could never be the Lord of Winterfell as he was a bastard. It was an impactful memory on young John. Mm. It might have been one of the first times that really John began to understand the difference between him and Rob. Aww. Rob was the golden boy of the Stark family. 
As was expected of Lord Stark's firstborn son and heir, he would join his father on council meetings. He was being groomed to be the next Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North. Rob was beloved by everyone, even Theon Greyjoy, who held the Starks in little regard as their hostage, liked Rob. Hmm. While racing Jon Snow after the execution of a Night's Watch deserter, he, Rob happened to stumble on a dead direwolf mother with five pups. Young Bran Stark urged Lord Stark to spare the pups. Ned Stark agreed after Jon Snow persuaded him. As they ventured back, John heard something and found an albino direwolf pup that he claimed for himself. Hmm. Rob took a grayfurred, yellow-eyed direwolf that he dubbed Greywind. Greywind would ride with Rob in battle and be a frequent presence. Eventually, Lady Catelyn would urge Rob to never be parted from his direwolf. Rob would quickly take the duties of the Lord of the Winterfell as Lady Catelyn was preoccupied with caring for Bran after he was thrown from the abandoned tower. In King's Landing, Eddard Stark would attempt to oust the bastard Joffrey Baratheon and the Lannisters, but he was betrayed by Littlefinger and Jenna Slint. His men were slaughtered and he was arrested. Reacting to this imprisonment, Rob Stark called his bannerman, Bran privately observed that Rob was beginning to have a different voice that he dubbed Rob the Lord when he spoke to other lords. In private, Rob, a boy of 15, had his insecurities, but he had to be a man for the sake of his family. Some of Rob's bannermen were skeptical, with great John Umber angrily decrying taking orders from a boy. As he drew his steel, Greywind attacked the great John and bit off two of his fingers. Rob used clever words asserting his superiority, and Great John Umber laughed and became Rob Stark's most fervent supporter. Hmm. The North. Rob Stark went south, the fifth Stark to go south that year. And he, like so many other Starks, would never return north. In a brilliant tactical maneuver, he had his foot soldiers led by Lord Bolton while bringing his cavalry to relieve the siege of the Tully Castle River Run. Rob was able to draw out Jamie Lannister into foolhardily attacking in the Whispering Wood. There, Jamie Lannister's forces would be soundly defeated. Rob Stark's forces overran the besieging forces of Jamie Lannister, who was completely unaware that an army was approaching him. Still, Jamie Lannister proved his prowess in battle, as it took many to capture him, and, La- and Sir Jamie had slain both of Lord Karstark's sons. Hmm. Rob Stark's forces, led by Lord Bolton, were defeated, but Lord Bolton made a tactical retreat when it was clear it was lost. After the battle, Lord Tywin heard of his son's capture and recognized the deception. Lord Tywin planned to divide up Rob's forces by ordering his brother Kevon to oversee punitive raids on Riverland villages, compelling the kind-hearted Sir Edmure Tully, who was the de facto leader uh, and of the Riverlands, mm. to divide the Riverland houses to defend their lands. In King's Landing, Lord Stark would appear at the Sept of Baelor and confess his treason. To the the shock of the lords and delight of the people, King Joffrey ordered the Lord Stark executed. The shock shock of the lords and delight of the people? Wow. Oh yeah, the people were like, 
Yeah, the people were like screaming, like off with his head, traitor, traitor, traitor. Oh my god. Well, he confessed, Evan. I know, I know, but it's like oh, he confessed like... on the sept of Baylor, so mm-hmm. he was a traitor. Yep. To the eyes of the people. Such a tragedy. Yep. Oh yes, yes, yes. No one knows the truth. Nope. They still don't know it's the truth. What the truth is. Yep. Well, then Stannis would expose the truth, but by then, like the Lannisters immediately are able to spin it and make it like he's lying. Mm-hmm. So, the truth is heard, but no one believes it. Yeah. <sighs> Soon, Renly de Baratheon declared himself king and allied with House Tyrell. After news came of Lord Stark's execution, the lords of the Riverlands and the North debated their next action. Lord Bracken urged them to pledge fealty to King Renly. Rob Stark stated that Renly Baratheon had no right to the throne, as the right belonged to Joffrey. Even ignoring Cersei's children, the next in line to Ren- to the Baratheon's throne, the next in line to the throne, was clearly Lord Stannis. Lady Catelyn Stark urged peace for the sake of, of regaining her daughters, but the lords would have no talk of ending the war. The great John Umber boldly declared that the Baratheons meant nothing to him, and he was tired of the Lannisters and southern rulers in general, who knew nothing of the north. He proudly pointed his sword to Rob and declared him the king of the north. The fellow northern lords agreed, and along with the river lords, they hailed Rob Stark as the king of the north, the king of winter. The words had not been spoken since Torrin Stark bent his knee to Aegon the Conqueror. Once more, in Westeros, there was a king in the north. As Torrin's crown had been lost, possibly melted by Aegon, a new iron crown with iron blades surrounding it was worn by Rob. He had to adjust the crown as it was uncomfortable on him. He let his beard grow out to assert his age and and majesty. An emissary, Cleon Frey, a nephew of Tywin Lannister, was sent to deliver peace terms to the Lannisters. Rob demanded the return of Sansa and Arya and the dissolving of Joffrey and Sansa's engagement. He also demanded the return of Ice, Lord Stark's sword, along with the body of Ned Stark and all Northmen executed or killed. Finally, all lands north of the Trident were no longer in the control of the Iron Throne and were now the dominion of King Rob, Lord of the North and the Live Riverlands. Furthermore, Sir Jamie Lannister, the Kingslayer, would never be returned to guarantee peace. Hmm. Lord Karstark was appalled that terms were even offered, though Rob insisted that he had to offer terms. As Tywin predicted, Sir Edmure Tully had his riverlords dispersed to protect the people of his lands. This action could not save many riverlords' lands from destruction and weakened Rob's forces. Hoping to gain alliances, Lady Catelyn went further south to meet with the self-titled King Renly about an alliance. Meanwhile, Rob sent Theon Greyjoy north to speak with his father, Balon, about an alliance. Hmm. Caitlin advised that an alliance with the Greyjoys was unwise, as was sending away Theon. Yeah. 
We have discussed both on envoys in previous episodes, but to say it briefly, they both went poorly. Catelyn could not sway Lord Ren Lord Renly to join Rob, and soon bore witness to the battles against Stannis Baratheon. Meanwhile, on the Iron Islands, Balon Greyjoy declared himself King of the Iron Islands and planned to conquer the North while Rob Stark was away. We all know how that went. Yeah. Oh, yes, we do. Rob Stark headed west and, using a goat path, discovered his direwolf, Greywind. Uh, no, uh, Greywind. He was able to catch Stafford Lannister unexpectedly and crush his armies. His actions greatly enraged King Joffrey. In retaliation, he had Sansa Stark beaten in the court and stripped naked. In Riverrun, Sir Edmure had his people come to his castle for their own protection. He confronted Lord Tywin's army led by Gregor, Sir Gregor Clegane, a.k.a. the Mountain That Rides. Sir Edmure was able to best the mountain's forces and forced him to retreat. While saving his people and Rob from a potential attack, Rob had planned on drawing Lord Tywin west while Stannis besieged King's Landing. Unfortunately, Sir Edmure's heroism allowed Lord Tywin to turn his attentions to King's Landing and save the city from being lost to Stannis. Rob hoped that, that had Stannis taken King's Landing, he perhaps would have been able to make terms. This assumption was dead wrong, as Stannis had openly called Rob Stark a traitor and boldly said so to Jon Snow later. Mm. Cold, yep. hard Stannis Baratheon making terms. Yeah. You can understand why Rob would believe it was possible, but. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the south, after Lord Tywin departed Harrenhal, Arya Stark and the faceless man Jaqen Hagar helped open the gates for the Northmen under the command of Roose Bolton to, to, take, to take over Harrenhal. Arya did not reveal her, her identity to Rob's bannerman, and later escaped from him when he revealed his intent to leave her in Harrenhal under the command of Vargo Hote and the Brave Companions. Mm. As Rob was taking over western castles, he took a minor wound at the crag, the seat of House Westerling. His wounds were treated by the, the Lady Jane Westerling. While Rob was being treated, news came of, of the north that Theon Greyjoy had betrayed Rob, that Winterfell had been taken by the Ironborn, and worst of all, that his brothers Bran and Rickon were beheaded. Jesus. Lady Jane comforted King Rob in his sorrow. Because Lady Jane was a maiden, Rob would not be able to deny the paternity of any bastard child born. Rob married Lady Jane to preserve her honor, and because he was not willing to let a child endure the treatment he had seen his mother give to Jon Snow. Aww. This action defied his promise to marry one of Lord Frey's daughters, which was part of his deal to gain to be able to cross into the south from Moat Kalen. I glanced that, that part over earlier. I'm sorry for that. Is that is that mm. um, early on when he was making his journey south, Rob had to come to the twins, which was the only way of, cr of managing to cross um, the river 
Um, I'm forgetting the exact name of the river off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I don't remember what it is either, but yeah. And so he, <clears throat> and so Walder Frey agreed to let Rob Stark on the condition that he would marry one of Rob, Walder Frey's daughters, <laughs> which Rob accepted. But then this happens yeah. where he may marries Lady Jane Westerling. No one would know how dark the consequences of this action would be. We got time. It doesn't look like we don't need to split this into two episodes, so I'm just going to keep on going. Sure. Immediately after the wedding, the phrase urged Rob to kill Lady Jane. Rob refused, and the phrase abandoned support of Rob, though the fray boy that was Rob's squire wanted to stay on. The decision canceled all arranged marriages to the Starks and Freys, to the disappointment of Elmar Frey, who was engaged to Arya Stark. Though Elmar had unknowingly met Arya and hated her, the feeling was cool. They don't have that in the show. In Riverrun, when news of Bran and Rickon's death came, a grief-stricken Catelyn Stark had Sir Jaime Lannister reveal that he was indeed the father of Cersei's children. He justified his lack of honor with a story of the Mad King's cruelty and then taunted Catelyn about his fidelity to Cersei in contrast to Ned Stark fathering a bastard. An enraged Catelyn had Brienne bring forth a sword and made Sir Jaime swear on his honor as a knight that he would never fight the Riverlords or the Northerners. Hmm. Catelyn then freed Sir Jaime Lannister on the condition he free Sansa and Arya. Lady Catelyn was effectively imprisoned by Sir Edmure as she was forced to spend only time with the dying Lord Hoster Tully. Lord Hoster, suffering from dementia, confused Catelyn with his other daughter, daughter Lysa, and begged her forgiveness. Catelyn imparted his pleas via letters, but received no reply from Lysa. Go visit our, our episode on Robert to find out exactly why. Rob turned and revealed his marriage to Catelyn for the first time. Rob forgave Catelyn, meaning that Catelyn could not dare to criticize his own folly. Rob mm. also privately reprimanded Sir Edmure Tully for his actions. Privately, Rob introduced Catelyn to his queen. As if to justify the prestige of the Westerlings, he mentioned that Ed Jane Westerling had been one of Magor the Cruel's black brides centuries ago. Mm. See our Magor episode about that. Oh, God. While this was true, the Westerlings had since diminished into little more than va the vassals of the Lannisters, with prominently Gawain, I don't know how to say it, the name, Gawain Westerling, marrying a Nova Reach merchant's daughter, Sybil Spicer, whose grandmother was known as Maggie the Frog, a magi oh. that gave an ominous prophecy to Cersei Lannister. Hmm. While the Westerling men were thrilled at this sudden elevation and were seemingly loyal, Lady Sybil was not. She kept secret communication to Tywin Lannister and swore loyalty to him. Lady Sybil had Jane unwittingly take an abortifex every morning to ensure that she never became pregnant by Rob. Wow. She lied and told her that she was getting the opposite. Mm. Getting a fertility potion. She detailed Rob's plans and next actions. 
Despite the poor decision and hastiness of the marriage, Rob Stark did seem to genuinely love Jane Westerling, and she too cared deeply for him. He commissioned a crown for his queen that she proudly kept. As Rob debated his next course of actions, Lord Karstark failed to capture Brienne and Sir Jaime. Enraged at this, Lord Karstark secretly arranged for two innocent Lannister boys be killed as payment for the death of his own sons. Horrified by this, Rob debated his actions. He refused to accept Lord Karstark's actions and swore to punish him, but at the same time, he recognized he that he was in danger of losing even more allies by punishing the Karstarks. Rob chose to do what he believed was right and executed Lord Karstark. Before he died, Lord Karstark decried Rob as no true king. Then Rob swung his sword. The first blow did not take off Lord Karstark's head, but killed him. As Rob suspected, as Rob suspected, the Karstarks too abandoned him, leaving his forces heavily depleted. At the same time, Lord Hoster Tully passed away. Rob and company attended his funeral. The newly ennobled Lord Edmure Tully was so grief-stricken that he was unable to make the shot to light the funeral pyre for his father, forcing his brother Brendan the Blackfish to fire the arrow. It wasn't always a bad shot, it was that he was sad. Oh. As Rob and family grieved, em grieved, emissaries from the Frey family came to offer a new alliance with House Stark. If King Rob formally apologized and Lord Edmure married a Frey girl, then the Stark's betrayal would be forgiven. Lord Edmure, a known womanizer, begrudgingly accepted the terms. Meanwhile, in the south at Harrenhal, Vargo Hote and the brave companions captured Brienne of Tarth and the king. Kingslayer. However, Hote suspected that Lord Bolton was considering shifting alliances, which was inconvenient for Hote as he had betrayed the Lannisters and joined with Lord Bolton. Hote had Jame Sir Jamie's hand cut off, hoping that Lord Bolton would be blamed for it by Lord Tywin. However, in a private dinner, Lord Bolton had Sir Jamie freed and had Jamie swear that he would not be blamed for his maiming. As King Rob journeyed to the twins, he tearfully departed from Jane, who understandably did not attend the Frey wedding in fear of reminding the family of the cause of the rift. While parted, Rob did wonder aloud to his mother if he had impregnated Jane, as the two had tried frequently. This brought up the matter of succession, with Bran and Rickon dead, in quotes, along with Arya, whom they had no word of since Ned Stark's execution. Rob was aware that the Lannisters forced Sansa Stark to marry Tyrion Lannister. Rob uncomfortably had to disinherit and deny Sansa any claim to Winterfell or the Crown, which begged the question of who his heir could be. Right. Catelyn brought up obscure relatives, but Rob gently said to his mother, Mother, father had four sons. Catelyn understood and warned Rob both of how absurd it was to request a man leave the Night's Watch. Rob brushed this off by saying he would give the Night's Watch a hundred men for John. Catelyn remembered her history and warned of the dangers of legitimizing bastards, citing the horror of the Blackfire rebellions. Yeah. Rob brushed it off, saying that Rob knew he could trust John. 
Catelyn pointed out he had said the same of Theon Greyjoy. Rob angrily replied that John was not Theon and declared that John would be loyal. Catelyn still pressed that while John may be loyal, what of John's children? Could John's children be a threat to Rob and Jane's? Rob ended his mother's counsel and had her bear witness to him writing a will, legitimizing Jon Snow and making him his heir. Rob and his family came to the twins. In deference to the wishes of the phrase, he had Grey Wind put in a stable outside of the castle. Rob, Catelyn, and Edmure had salt and bread from the Lord Frey, the sacred ritual from the first men that guaranteed that they had sanctuary and that no harm would come to them within these walls. That's very important, Evan. That's very, very, very important. Rob also formally apologized to all the Frey women for not upholding his oath to them. Lord Frey seemed to approve his words with with his dry, Rob's words, with his dry wit. Lord Bolton joined the wedding, though he had some choice words with Lord Frey. And soon, Lord Bolton was married to Fat Walda Frey. <laughs> and, he was, and he was given a huge amount of silver for the weight of, for the weight of his wife, which is why he chose Fat Walda. Though later he would say he fell in love with Fat Walda to his own surprise. Hmm. Lord Edmure dreaded what hideous fray girl he would be saddled with, but to his delight, the beautiful, shy, and kind-hearted Rosalind Frey was presented to Edmure. He fell into love with her on sight and was happy by the marriage. It seemed that all was going to go perfectly. As the Freys and Northmen ate, Lady Catelyn was disappointed by the quality of food and found the musicians horrible. Still, she noticed how much her brother smiled and how much Rosalind cried. She suspected it was simply for the betting ceremony. Eventually, the ceremony took place to the light of many. As Edmure and Rosalind departed, suddenly the musicians played Tywin Lannister's dreaded theme, the reigns of Castamere. Catelyn noticed Edwin Frey wore armor, and suddenly arrows fell upon the Northmen. Some of the Northmen tried to fight back, but the Freys in armor came in and slaughtered their guests. Rob Stark had three arrows in him, but he slowly rose. Lord Frey looked at it, on at his massacre and proudly taunted, <laughs> The king in the north arises! Seems we killed some of your men, your grace. Oh, but I'll... I'll make you an apology. That will mend them all again. <laughs> Lady Catelyn took Walder's grandson and jester Jingle Bell and held a knife to his throat. She demanded that this end and that he let Rob go. She even offered to let him keep her and Edmure as a hostage if Edmure was still alive. Lord Walder brushed it off. Catelyn urged Rob to live for Jane. Rob weakly responded, Jane, Mother, Greywind. Catelyn threatened to slit Jingle Bell's throat if he refused to let Rob go. Lord Frey shrugged and replied, A son for a son, <laughs> but that's a grandson. 
And he never was much use. Lord Bolton stabbed King Rob with the words, Jamie Lannister sends his regards. Ouch. Catelyn Stark broken killed Jingle Bell before her own throat was slit. Outside, the supping Northmen were slaughtered by the treacherous phrase. A horrified Arya Stark witnessed this and tried to rush in, but Sander Clegane hit her with the flat of his axe and took her away. Mm. The phrase decapitated Rob's corpse, slaughtered Greywind, and put Greywind's head on Rob's body and paraded the body on a horse for all to mockingly hail, THE KING IN THE NORTH! This horrific moment would be known as the Red Wedding. King Joffrey, delighted by the news, wrote to wanted to have Rob Stark's head be brought for his wedding feast to present to Sansa Stark. This act disturbed even Lord Tywin. So Jamie. Riverrun was still loyal. Oh, um, where's my next one? Okay. Lord Edmure was held hostage by, by the phrase. He forgave Roslyn, who swore that she did not wish for any of it to happen, and that she was forced to participate. Their one night together resulted in Roslyn becoming pregnant. Riverrun was still loyal to Rob and proudly held on until Jamie Lannister convinced Edmure to have the castle surrender or he would destroy Riverrun, kill all inside, and deliver Rosalind's babies to Edmure via a trebuchet. Edmure did order Riverrun surrendered, and with that, the last territory loyal to Rob Stark. Though Edmure Tully did let Brendan Tully, the Blackfish, escape. Sir Jamie later met with Lady Sybil and Jane Westerling. He noticed that Jane had been beaten by her mother and that she had torn her clothes in mourning for her husband. Lady Sybil explained that he had to that she had to hit her, hit Jane, because to remove the rebel crown that she insisted on wearing. Hmm. Jamie was appalled by Lady Sybil's actions, and while technically upholding his father's oaths, openly said that Jane was far greater than Lady Sybil. Mm. And that is the story of Rob Stark. Mm. Beautiful, sad story. Yep. Before we go on to the ranking part, there's Two things I want to talk about first. Firstly, just a fun question for us both. Mm-hmm. Evan? Yeah? What was your reaction to The Red Wedding? Like when you first watched it? When I first watched it, and, and be aware, I've only, watched, I've only watched that scene maybe twice because it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um... It's very much a, it's like, what, what just happened? What the hell just happened? Oh, no. No, 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 no. They're done. They're done. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's me. For me, um, 
you know, it was so wonderful was that I I came to Game of Thrones exceptionally late. Mm. And yet like I heard the word red wedding, but somehow miraculously unlike Ned Stark, I heard that Ned Stark died. Right. Although I didn't hear the exact circumstances and so when Ned actually died, it did surprise me. Mm. <laughs> like the way he died, it still did surprise me. Honestly, it did. Yeah, which is like I, I figured like he was gonna die, but like I was like, whoa, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, now, oh, oh my, wow, yeah. And, but with even more than Ned's death, like Red Wedding, it was just such a wonderful. I I didn't know what was coming, and I didn't know the length. Right, and it is so heartbreaking. It is so such a wonderful tragic scene yeah when I'm gonna do the rewatch they 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 asked Michelle Farley and Richard Madden to do a commentary with the director Ooh. and poor Michelle Farley like is weeping yeah at the end of it like, she's so moved and so <laughs> saddened by it and just like wow and Boy, oh boy, those actors, they did such an amazing job, like, selling it. Like, fairly, like, that... She should have won an Emmy. Yeah. Like, that primal <laughs> scream, that... Just everything, just magnificent. Mm. So magnificent. Yeah. And uh, there is a photo out there. I, I I did take a photo of me immediately after I took... After I, I watched The Red Wedding for the first time. I was just, like, so shocked... And so oh. horrified and so saddened. It was amazing. And when I read A Storm of Swords, so reading it, even when you know it's coming, it still is just such effective writing. Mm -hmm. It's just so heart-wrenching. Mm -hmm. Especially because the thing that the book does and that the books do that the show can't do is you're in poor Catelyn's mind as this is happening oh no as she's watching her son die and she's just thinking to herself like like she's basically even more just like the agony of like that oh oh my gosh i've lost all my children all my yeah. children are like only santa's alive all my other mm -hmm. children are dead all my other children are dead and it just that just it's so amazing. It's just like, wow. So, wow. And yeah. it, it, it takes a lot of guts to do something like that. And I really do applaud George R. R. Martin and for the showrunners for like saying, like, no, we're going to do this. Like, yeah. We're yeah. We're going to shy away from this. It's like, and this is like a really effective storytelling. Just mm -hmm. great storytelling. So, before we get into the ranking part, we're going to get into it, I swear, I swear. Um, a little more fun stuff for just getting into inspiration is who is Rob based on? Rob, as a character, like Robert Baratheon, is heavily inspired by Edward IV, though Rob is more inspired by young Edward IV. Hmm. Edward was the leader of... No, oh, I'm sorry. Edward was the elder son of Richard, Duke of York, who, after exhausting all options, decided 
York decided to press his claim as the rightful heir to the throne against Henry VI and the Lancasters. York and his second son, the Earl of Rutland, were executed by Queen Margaret of Anjou. Edward took his father's cause and led the York faction and soon was declared king by popular acclaim in London. Like Rob, Edward was a brilliant young commander. Also like Rob, he made an incredibly ill-advised marriage to Elizabeth Woodville. Ah, yes. Elizabeth Woodville was a subject, a widow, and the daughter of a minor lord. Edward's marriage most likely was for love, though Dan Jones has argued the political dimensions of the marriage, which I respectfully disagree with Doug Jones's, with Mr. Jones's interpretation. Fair enough. While not killing Edward, while the marriage did not kill Edward like it did Rob, the marriage forever divided Edward's court into two factions. Eventually, after Edward's premature death, the anti-Woodville faction led by Richard of Gloucester took possession of Edward V. Richard soon would declare that Edward's marriage to Elizabeth was illegitimate, as he was supposedly pre-contracted to marry another, which is another inspiration for Rob. Now, as for the Red Wedding, George R. R. Martin has has famously said that the Red Wedding is based on the legendary Black Dinner. Yep. According to the legend, the clan Douglas was invited to dine with the 10-year-old king of the Scots, James II. They had a pleasant dinner, and then an ominous song played, and a black boar's head was revealed, which is, was a symbol of death. Despite James II's protests, the two men of clan Douglas were executed. Martin understandably decries that modern historians have since said that the story likely did not happen in that way. It's like, oh, that's such a great story. Come on. Can't you let us have that story? Right. And, and also, to, to, for those of you who think uh, Game of Thrones exaggerates, there are much, much worse weddings in history. Than the Red Wedding. There's a supposedly uh, the infamous Emperor Caracalla. Mm-hmm. He just look it up. Just look the, it up. yeah, just look it up. And like I said, the biggest thing we can see with Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, just mixes mixes fantasy and dragons into real history, right. and ups right. it by ten. Yes, and no, you kidding? History, history is way worse sometimes. So, so yeah, history, anything you can think of in fantasy or anything you can think of in in Game of Thrones, history blows it out the, out of the water. Oh what yes, really hap- what really happened is much worse, much more complicated, and much more gruesome than you could ever imagine. Well, uh, Martin's introduction to the Accursed Kings books which are phenomenal and very much worth reading uh, historical fiction books that inspired Game of Thrones. He said that, believe me, the Capes and Plantagenets, like they eclipse anything that the Starks and and Lannisters and Targaryens could ever dream of. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So back to the main event, though. 
Let's get to the ranking part. Let's actually rank okay. Rob Stark. Okay. So give me, give me a moment because I want to get, get something very quickly, and I'll be right back. Right. Okay. Read them a little bit of the notes. So just to recap, we have gone through uh, Damon the first, who got sixty point five and was labeled a dragon. We had Damon the second, who was who got thirty six point five. We ultimately thought he was a dud. He was nice, uh, but he seems like he would have been forgotten. Viserys the third, we gave him 26 and he was definitely a dud like uh, the beggar king he just screams of being forgotten uh we we then had renly talked about renly the first and he got 35.5 it was a tough call but we ultimately sided with the with the verdict bambi just because like Renly, there was just something lacking in him in, in his own actions that really spoke of being truly long, memorable, lasting in his own right. Take it on the whole for Five Kings, sure, maybe, but Renly as himself, no. And then we covered mm -hmm. Balon the Ninth. Balon Greyjoy. We were not kind. He only got 22 and very comfortable saying he was not a Kraken, he was a Calamari. Yeah. Just like, nothing about Balon is memorable. Although, ironically, mm -hmm. we did say that even though what really happened would never be known to, to pretty much anyone, like, mm -hmm. ironically, we, we did say that maybe Theon basically was like, might have been like that Kraken just because like he did things like allegedly or was believed to have done things that would make him be mm -hmm. never forgotten. Right. So, I don't know if that's nice or bad. And now, for our, <laughs> as we get to our final king, or our final claimant for, for this season. Yep. It's been a lot of fun going through these guys with you, Evan. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. And uh, we'll talk about it at the end, but we do have plans for at least one more thing before we might call it an end. Right. And so, first category, legitimacy. Mm -hmm. So, this is where we judge how, how strong is your claim. Right. The United Northern Lords all supported the secession of the North to Rob Stark. Notably, through his Tully blood and the cruelty inflicted by the Lannisters, the lords of the Riverlands joined the secession, even though they had never been d under the dominion of the North. Mm. Declaring Robb Stark the king of the North and Riverlands, that's often forgotten, but he was the king right. of the North and Riverlands. Right. The Starks had pledged their loyalty to the Baratheons when they removed the Targaryens from power. Their secession was similar to previous secessions made by Stefan Baratheon and Balon Greyjoy, of having legal, little legal merit. It was purely for supposed slights and opportunities. Yes. So what do we think? 
Well, I think the 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 one of the biggest reasons why, though, in terms of Rob being king of the seven kingdoms, zilch. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. But we're However, not judging that, but like we're judging uh, king but, of the. But notice, right, but notice this though. Technically, if you want, I mean, if you want to be by blood, technically, uh, King Stark was never that. That bloodline is still pure, unlike yes. many of the other kings. So, in retrospect, his his claim as king of the north, I'd almost say, is is near one hundred percent is is pretty damn legitimate. He is. He is technically the heir to the to the throne of the North, the throne of Winterfell. Yes. Via via not via not having that blood ta- tainted, or perhaps more importantly, he was never ousted. The Starks were never ousted from power. They had they need they knelt. They simply became lords. Yes. Now theoretically, part of the problem. I'm gonna just focus in on 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 like when Greatron Umder makes that speech. That speech mm-hmm. is wonderful, but it is quite frankly the biggest Wrong. revisionist history ever because because Ned was part of Robert was a leader of Robert's rebellion. Right. So he helped Robert take right. the throne. And I think, and I think that's so, what the big complication is. You're right. It's that's a. Huge it's not just and, and just and remember that he that Robert appointed him, Ned Hand of the King. So, like, there's like, like basically the only reason, like, like what are you talking about legally? Like, other than that, like, just like the Mad King, he has broken his. His right. duty as king by executing right. Lord Stark, but mm-hmm. unlike the Mad King, there was theoretically a confession. Right. So I don't know. It's it, it, it's kind of a case of it's kind of a case of Robert's rebellion. But if only if the Stormlands wanted to secede, as opposed to actually want to overthrow. So. Well, well, that's why. I, well, that's why I compared him to uh, Stefan. Or, right. or no, no, oh no, I said that wrong. Not not Stefan, Lionel Baratheon, Lionel who rebel, who seceded during uh, the reign of uh, of Egg. When, uh, when, um, remember when uh, uh, Prince Duncan, mm, yes, like, uh, married for love, right? And he, and he married uh, Jenny of Oldstones. Yeah, like Lord Lionel Baratheon seceded, and it's kind of like that in that it's just like right. Just well, because you're king does then, something you don't like, right? Although, although this is something, although here's something that's actually kind of interesting though, and I'd like to bring up this point. Technically, Joffrey is not legally king. Yes, he has, but... he has no legal rights. So, so where things get kind of complicated is it is it le- is it illegal to secede from someone who is not legally on the throne? It's kind of like it. it, it it's kind of like, God, what, what, what? There, there really isn't. I wish I had a better comparison to this. Um, I, I mean, it's 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 basically you can't be held to that. 
Right. Basically, what you're it, saying is like, well, Joffrey himself isn't legitimate. So right. So how am so, I? So, and essentially, how am I? How am I seceding from a traitor or from an illegitimate king? Yeah. Like so you are kind of like, you are not legitimate yourself, so you can't right. it's, call it's me. It's the classic. It's kind of the classic what ifism. It's like is I like, well, you have no right to secede from the to secede from the seven kingdoms. Well, you do, you have no right to rule them, and I'm and I'm seceding from you. The Lannisters are not kings. Baratheons are, but you are no true Baratheon. So, yeah. and unlike them, though, but they didn't know that at, when they made that that declaration. No, they didn't. But but I think and, that's where and circumstances... Rob did say like Joffrey is like Robert's heir. Like I I hate Joffrey, and I'm not gonna bend my knee. But he is Robert's heir. I don't know what to do. Right. So this is com- it's complicated because the intention at first you can tell right off the bat the intention is quite separatist. The problem is is that circumstances kind of turn that into a into a very bizarre legal legal circumstances where it's it's technically not treason because the king is not the king is not the real king uh okay under that what you're saying right there okay i can see that yeah. i can see that argument but they, like, they didn't know that yeah. until later on so that's kind right. of ex post facto Right. So again, this, this is that's what that's why this legal aspect is 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 probably more complicated than any other than, than almost any other of the kings, because no, seriously, yeah, it, it, yeah. it really is one of the most complicated because Rob Stark technically, because of his bloodline, does legitimately have royal blood that stretches back three centuries. It's just not it's just not the king of the Seven Kingdoms, but he doesn't want to be the king of king of seven kingdoms he just wants to be king and king of the north and the riverlands and he has via his blood rights to both it's just been it's just been sort well, of the, the river lords were never really kings though that's part of the problem right like house tully wasn't not king well ever. but then you could say that's that's no different than than just swearing allegiance it's kind yeah. of like true enough in comparison Right, to put it in comparison, technically Queen Victoria was was the Empress of India, even yes. though even though there was no technical empire of India. So there's that. So that's that I, I use yeah. that comparison. Now be aware the Brits conquered that area through force, so it gets a little dicey. My point being, if I had to give him a legitimacy, I'd honestly give him close to a seven, because he does have the right both through marriage and through blood now, because of his inheritance, he does technically have a right to both of those kingdoms. I can see that. And like the big thing that like I like is that it's not that Rob seeks the throne. It's that the Lords elevate and put right. the, given, the crown on him. The, right. He's given the throne. Like they're the ones that argue you should be our king. Like we don't. Right. Like no, we're done. We're right. done. And like, and he's trying to like figure it out. And... Right. He, mm. He's trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure it out as he goes. He doesn't really have a plan. Ah. I... I think the 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 problem is is that all what you say mm-hmm. on paper it's a ten. But the problem mm-hmm. is that that because his father helped elevate the Baratheons to the kingship, 
mm-hmm. because they don't know that Joffrey is illegitimate until later. Right. And even then, like, it's not really fully believed by anyone. Mm. It's just a doubted. Right. Like, it's a, it's out there, but, like, it's like, eh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I can only go about six. Because it's just that, like, for me, it's just like, it's yeah. that, it's just like, it's that all those things like his father did. Right. Like, literally that year that he did, all is like, I am 100% pro-Baratheon, Baratheon, Baratheon, Baratheon. And, like, I arranged my... my 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 daughter to marry Joffrey Baratheon. Why right. would I do that if I'm not pro Baratheon? Right. So like that makes it just like it's like when is it to say like yeah we pledge allegiance to Targaryens not Baratheons. It's like yeah you no you did you won. Mm-hmm. So right yeah. again I think it's just because circumstances sort of made his claim stronger than it probably should have been. I understand that part too, but I maintain my score. You maintain your score. It's still pretty high. He's more legit than most of the other kings. <coughs> That's thirteen. Mm-hmm. That puts him third. Makes sense. He's behind Damon the first and Viserys the third. Right. So, next category. Potential. Hmm. So this is going to be good, fun debate and speculation. Yes. By Rob's own account, he was brilliant at war and horrendous at politics. Yep. Rob was charismatic and inspirational, which led many to pledge their loyalty to their young lord and follow him into rebellion. Westeros had not seen such a young, charismatic prodigy since Darren the Young Dragon. Yeah. Catelyn opines that the weight of war and kingship paid a heavy price on Rob. Yeah, it was his life. Well, even before that, it's just like, it's like, she could tell that it was just like, it was weighing him down. And like, even though he's 15, he doesn't, like, he's feeling it. Mm-hmm. Like his father, Rob was an honorable man who was willing to do politically unwise decisions for what was morally straight when he executed Lord Karstark for killing two innocent Lannister boys. Also, in his decision to marry Lady Jane Westerling after taking her virginity. So he was an honorable man. Although many could easily say honorable to a fault. Right. Honorable, not wise. Well, Well, let's take on bridge with that because of all his, his battle tactics show, he does have have intelligence. Okay, maybe well, remember, you, you're right. Remember, intelligence remember, is not wisdom. A tactical, a tactical mind is not a political mind. True enough. Look no further. No, look honestly no further than Alexander the Great. Well, look no further than Robert Baratheon. Right. I think I th- Rob's tricky because I think I think we would I got have literally more, got. I, I got one more note. Oh, okay. Finally, Rob's decisions led to allies to abandon him though some personally close to Rob wish to remain loyal to the end. So, all that in mind, what do we think? I think Rob would have been another, honestly, if he, if he had been king, he probably would have been another, almost a clone of Ned Stark, where... Yeah. Which where, is a good... End, I th- 
it's a good thing. It's a good thing when the times are not tough. And the problem with that is that Ned Stark, for all his strength, for all his honor, he he never really had. He was always more of a follower. And times times were never tough on him. He didn't have to make these split second decisions. He always had somebody who could kind of tell him what to do is not the right. Tell him what to do is not the right is not the right phrasing. Well, I completely disagree. But really? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, well, that no. I mean, just early on, it's just like Ned immediately knew like. Okay, I'm going to. Nope, I, you're not my king. I'm going to, to fight you. This is unacceptable. Like Ned's very much decisive, and a leader. Of men and men follow him. Like Ned's not dumb, like and Ned. No, but knows Ned how the not, world works. Right, but, but Ned, but Ned is also Ned is also, three times, Robert's age. Rob's age. Right, yes. Sorry, Rob's, Rob's age. And I think that's the other thing, too, is you're basically, unlike what the show says, you're, it's a kid. Yeah. It's a 15-year-old kid making the decisions. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. And he's just not going to have the wisdom and political savvy at the, at the time to make those types of decisions. So... In the long run, we would have got we could have gotten a Ned Stark, but the problem is we didn't. True enough, but but this is potential. Like, what if he got to be king? What do we think? If he got to be king again, I I stay I maintain he probably would have been another Ned Stark. Not bad, but not always. Because the North plays by different rules than than the South, there's no game in the North, really. Oh well, that's not fully true because the Boltons, the grasping Boltons, it's not, fully, it's not fully true. But it's one of those. Well, but it's one of those where if if Robin had to deal with the Boltons, he would have done it exactly the same way as Ned, which is go out, strike them. Yeah, and bring them down. Yeah, that I don't doubt. I don't because, in my opinion, because of his military prowess, I don't think anyone, w- I don't think anyone would engage in an open rebellion against Rob Stark if he became king. Mm-hmm. But if he was going to bite it, I, like I said, the hardest part with him is that it's it's a it's a young Ned Stark who doesn't quite know how the world works yet, or I think still still has a lot to learn. Yes. He just, lot, he just has a lot to learn. And he was killed too quickly for it to make for it to make any difference. Well we're not judging him necessarily as king again. I'm just mentioning like potential. It's like when we thought of any of these guys, it's like, well how would you be as a king? Certainly not. Certainly not a bad king. I. For me, it's that I. 
I can't be too nice because basically I see his political weaknesses and inability mm -hmm. as just constantly being a, th a part of his reign. Right. And that, like, he's a really good ruler of the North mm -hmm. and a brilliant warrior, but just like when it comes to alliances, when it comes to yeah. arranging marriages, when it comes to like defending the North is much easier than also like the big thing George R. R. Martin spoke of is like, it's so hard to like the Riverlands is constantly conquered by one, mm -hmm. by one kingdom or another. And it's like, how would Rob been able to really defend it and fight for it and protect right. it at all times? That's so hard to, to manage. And that's where his real tests would always be. Right. If, if he were to remain king of the north and riverlands mm -hmm. we'll put it this way I and so if, i think if he was king in the north he'd be having to he'd be ha in the riverlands probably 75 percent of the time trying to prevent it from getting overrun something like that just like it would just constantly right. he would have to deal with that it would so, it would almost i mean to be brutal it'd almost be better off if he, if he just completely abandoned it Maybe. Um, I hate to be that cold, but that's probably... Now, Rob being Rob wouldn't do that. No, that's he wouldn't. Problem. That's 100%. the problem. That's the problem. Well, he it's just like that, that you need to figure out like tactical and you need to strengthen and fortify and make it so that Riveron can't be right. such an easy target. Right. Which is hard. That requires decades of infrastructure, right. hostages, building up... Mm -hmm. A stronger and military he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able, and he wouldn't be able to do that i think rob w would do all that but like it would just be like i a think major... he has the potential to do something like that it's just like i believe he it's could do a, this i believe he can major uphill I believe he, he, he he has it in him mm -hmm. i'm actually talking myself up i was gonna give him a six but now i'm thinking about it i'll be nicer i'll give him a seven it's like he's got it in him just I'm, like, I'm gonna give him i'm going to give him a six because I think he I, I, I think he would make more mistakes than he probably could afford he could do it but he would he would have to he would have to really learn from his mistakes okay so true that's why I'm giving I'm giving him a six okay so that second and potential mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Next category, the Sir Eustace category. Yeah. So many ifs. Yeah. So, how close did you come to winning? At his peak, it was clear that Rob Stark was winning the war. In yeah. fact, there were some moments where his allies, such as Edmir Tully, were too effective as. Sir Edmure was able to repel Gregor Clegane's forces when Rob Stark hoped to lure them and, and Tywin into a trap. Ah. Rob's marriage to Jane Westerling cost him and the fr him the phrase and eventually led to his death. Ah. His execution of Lord Karstark similarly lost him the Karstarks. Yeah. Lord Tywin defeated Rob Stark by exploiting his political errors and making the most unholy alliance with the phrase. 
Well, so it, as Tywin would later boast, Rob Stark never lost a battle, and he still lost his crown. Yep. That's the best but way to here, here's the big here's the big thing I want to say though, or or, mm-hmm. or is the final thing, and really emphasize this. Uh-huh. It must be said that Rob Stark's murder was an astonishing betrayal that was not at all forgiven by the North, and much of the South was appalled. Right. It was breaking the sacred tradition of guest right. Right. There are so many like stories that old Nan would tell of what happens when you break guest right. Right. It's so absurd. It is so inhumane. It is so preposterous. And very that... bad form. Yeah. It's like, Tyrion is just like, what the? Well. And like, and like Tywin's like, feeble or, or or just like so sociopathic response and like i can understand that point of view but it's like no it's just like it's like explain to me why it's more noble for for a thousand thousand to kill uh why is more noble to kill ten thousand men in battle than a dozen at dinner now can we point out the fact that when tywin points this out Rob's army was drunk and feeding, and they all got slaughtered. Yeah. So first off, like there's that. Was... First off, there's that. Second right. off, it's just like it's just like it's like it's like no, no. There's a huge difference. Right. A huge then, difference. And then my favorite is Taiwan says they goes I the Northerners will never forget this. Good. That's like Taiwan. You're overplaying a hand that you really don't have. Well, I mean, and and as the books show, it's like that. It didn't work, right? It's it didn't still even work, but, but, that, but it, 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 like the red Friday wedding didn't even work. But that's like a whole separate category and a whole separate right. discussion. Well, but just like thing, that. I... So, so it's just like it's like it's basically that Tywin like stooped to levels that kind of no one in Westeros, even continents, you could stoop. To right. defeat Rob, right. so I think it's that like, plays a huge favor for Rob. Is that it's oh, like, it's like it's, Tywin was Tywin knew from that from that first battle, probably from that first battle when he started realizing it's like after after the first battle, Tywin's kind of like, okay, this might be a little bit harder than I thought. All right, he's still just a boy. I'll deal with him gets his ass kicked again and again and again and again, it finally is like, well, I can't beat this guy. So I can't beat this guy on the battlefield. Well, nothing's off limits. Go do it. And But but again, that shows the... I think that this, this says as much about Tywin as it does about Rob. Because Rob... We are going to have a Tywin episode eventually. We are going to have a Tywin episode, but 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 that's it's a very good way to gauge how effective Rob's campaign was. Because I mean, one yeah. could argue, yeah, one could genuinely argue that Rob not only came the closest, Rob was probably the most most formidable adversary, if not the most immediate adversary to the Lannisters. To the Lannisters, yes. Because we've had, we've had this Stannis will will we'll vociferously debate you on that. 
Right. Well, see, my, my well, but, my, my my point being is this: Stannis was the more immediate threat, and Tywin wisely took care of him first. But Rob, Rob was the was. Rob turned into a much bigger threat than I think they ever could have imagined. Oh, one hundred percent. Like Rob is just something that just like it's like. Oh my gosh! Like, this really is like. This isn't. This isn't a a skirmish. This is not a. This is not going to be a little. A, a, a quick little battle, and it's over. It's like no. This is going to be a grueling fight. Not just that, but like this isn't a boy. This is not a boy. This is. This is a real threat to Westeros. Right. That's why I come. I, I compare him to the young dragon because sincerely, mm-hmm. it's like it's like this is a real military. Right. Like genius pretty much of just like that's exactly. like this is this is a, the as as tv tropes has genuinely described rob he's a military genius political disaster but a military genius and any anyone in history who's a military genius is gonna be a huge problem so and that he got the river lords right 100 I mean, with him I mean, and to so be, to be honest he essentially he essentially had his own kingdom that was pretty damn independent. Yeah. So, so I think it, it, I'm very, very comfortable now that I think about it more and more as we're discussing it more. It's yeah. like, yes, like he made those blunders, but like he was still going to go, like right. he was going to go north and he still was going to consolidate and regroup right. and he still was like, Maybe the Riverlands would have been taken, and he would have had to right. fight to regain the Riverlands. But he was going to about to expel, obviously, like Balon and the and well, the, the Ironborn from the north, yes. and he would have still been like able to hold the north. Right, and I think the other, and I think another thing too is that, to be honest, if Tywin hadn't pulled the Red Wedding on him. He probably, in a really bizarre way, Rob probably would have left him alone. If that, if you can believe that. I don't. I wouldn't say leave him alone. I know that's that's but, not but, the but, right. But that's but, not but, the but, right but, word. But I, I know. I, I think I know what you're saying. Is but basically, it's just that. Again, it's just like that. He feels obligated to protect the Riverlands, like that. He right. would never fully leave them alone. Right. And he would like eventually like come back to defend them, right? And like so that's would be his next war with Tywin, but it would be. But it, but basically, the, it's like he he, he had, had his kingdom north. in the north, and like that right. was pretty damn strong. And he would have right. like I, I we're dismissing Balon because listen to our episode on Balon. It's like we Balon is Balon is absolutely no threat to Rob Stark. Well, he was dead actually by that point. So, but right. yes, Euron actually it. no. Euron was a threat to Rob, but and Rob kind of Euron was a Euron is a threat to Rob Stark. Balon is no threat to Rob Stark. That would have been interesting. That that would have been interesting looking at it. Feature right. of the, we could have seen that clash, but well, again, I, th- but and, again, uh, I think the, the biggest thing we have to emphasize is, I mean, and how close to how close did Rob Stark get? I mean, more or less, he had it, but. He had it out of sheer military brilliance, because Tywin, 
Tywin and Tywin and Tywin knew he couldn't beat him on the battlefield. And so he had to resort to these tactics that are not only low and didn't work. Tywin got killed less than a year later. As, as, as Ty- Tywin like somehow managed to top himself. And this is what right. we're going to talk about when we talk really in the, in, the, in the Tywin episode. This is becoming a bit of a Tywin episode. But like yeah. it's just like he topped himself on the reigns of Castamere, which when we get into what he did with the reigns of Castamere is like, so appalling and just like somehow i was like wow you topped that i didn't think you could but you did right so although although for that it's pick your poison of which one is more appalling so right um i would almost go as far as to call him an eight because he did come very close you know what i I was originally going to go as low as six but now i'm like as we talk about more it's like yeah, eight's honestly sounding good to me because it's basically yeah. it's like yes, yes he was making those mistakes and yes he was losing, but like it was just like then like basically what he decided was like all right fine I'm going north I'm going to consolidate, right? It's and like regroup. Like, like, he was almost like fine, go have your war, go have go go have your stupid civil war. I'm gone. You guys want me? Come and get me. Not quite, but it was just like, but it was just like I'm going back north, right? For now, just like it's to like, I'm, it's like I'm kingdom. done. Right. I was like, I'm just going back to my own kingdom. And, but I'm not done with you guys at all. No. So, uh, and yeah. Honestly, okay. I think it, I, and honestly, to be honest, I think if, if the Red Wedding hadn't happened, he probably could have pulled kind of a guerrilla war indefinitely. Any, oh, absolutely. Any, any fights on the field, any, any armies that either Stannis, had he been able to take the throne, or Tywin put onto the field, I think that Rob could have whittled them down. Yeah. Again, just through sheer military power, I think he could have whittled them down. And while Tywin himself probably would not have given up, I think the Westerlands would have been like, "We're done. He's been. We've been fighting this war. We've lost. We've lost so many men. Can we just finish this?" Under the command of Tywin Lannister, that would never happen. Under exactly. the command of Kevin Lannister, that would happen. Yes. Kevin Lannister would would make peace. Tywin Lannister would never. It would have been it would have been a case of uh, all Rob would have needed to do is outlive Tywin. (laughs) Well, Tywin made sure that didn't happen. Yes, but Tywin got his just desserts. Yes, he did. Oh, and oh, so humiliating way. Mm -hmm. Like I said, karma's a bitch. Well, we're going to talk to that when we get into the Taiwan episode. Exactly. So, I mean, we'll have to say, give him an eight. Yeah. All right. Very, very good. He's shaping up to have a really good sto- s- mm-hmm. score. So, we got some great art of Rob for a portrait mm-hmm. that's um, part of, that comes from Fantasy Flight Games. Yep. And they're all gorgeous, and I'm going to send them all over to Evan right now. As portrait. As portrait. So, oh, wait, I, I sent one of the same. Oops. So, sorry for that. Let me do that again. Uh, you got the first oh, one? Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't think that's the most flattering picture of him. Mm-hmm. The second one, much better. Mm-hmm. That one's by Magali Villanueva. I mean, he looks—he looks like the boy. He looks like a boy king. 
Um, I wouldn't say a boy king. I'd say like a young man. Like, yes, this is a young man. This isn't that last one. That last boy. one. Def- I mean, I'd say four and a half out of five, maybe even closer to five. He looks like a king. He looks like he looks like the warrior. Yeah, he looks like the young. Like he looks perfect for a, a king of the north. Right. Yeah, he, he, is, he is the young wolf. Truly, yeah. definitely five for me. So okay, all right. Wow, wow. We beat out Damon Blackfire. Yeah. And he beat out that. Oh no, but he tied with that that handsome devil Renly. <laughs> so so ten. So wow, what a refreshing change of pace. I know. After after the abysmal score of Balon, who got twenty two. Oh god. And, and a bunch of like mid to low scores, we finally got a a high scorer again. <laughs> of that. Rob got 52. Nice. 52. So pretty solid score. Pretty yes. solid score. Still, Damon the first is on top with 60.5, but he got not far behind. Less, only about 10% behind. Yeah. So that's a pretty solid score. But what do we think about the final category? The final verdict. Is Rob Rob the first a direwolf or a cub? Mm-hmm. Is he or someone that would be a what? or a pup or a pup pup? Yes. Is he someone that would be remembered actually, or would be forgotten? This actually is probably more complicated than we initially thought because he's a case of he is unfortunately a failed rebellion. Well, all of these guys like are dude. This is claimants. Right. But, I, but um, I, I think this isn't hard for me personally because first off, like here's what we've had is that technically all these guys would be remembered because of War of the Five Kings. Right. But but what we said for like when we talked about Renly and like actually even Joffrey is like Joffrey, Renly, and Balon mm-hmm. is that they were like didn't really do anything that really stands out. Right. That forgotten. Even like the infamous Joffrey, it's just like only the court really knew what he was. Right. I mean, his, that's what his we said big... for the Joffrey episode episodes. And like for, for Renly, like, even though like he's, it's got like, I, I think he had a better shot at it. It was just like, yes. it's like, yeah, but like, there's just, he didn't die in battle and he didn't really lead any battles. No. Like, he was the first to declare himself king a- a- after, but, like, it's just, like, enough. And, like, Balon also just, like, oh, no. No, he was just yeah. another iron lord, ironborn warlord. Yeah. Rob, though, his youth, his success in battles, mm-hmm. and tragically his death. Right. That, that all was... is one potent cocktail of just, like, no one would forget Rob Stark. No. Like, his death alone makes it where, like, no one will ever forget him right. ever. It's like, to, it's like you, just, you just desecrated. Like, he died that's, the most foul, right. horrific that's, betrayal and, and, ever. Yeah, and, and low, low tactics. Yes. Low tactics, come on. Like, but even if we forget about that part. Right. 
And he's a great warrior. And I know you take you didn't vote Darren the first a dragon, but I proudly did. But like right. it, it's like this is another Darren the the first. And unlike Darren, though, I say why you should be a little bit persuaded. I think mm-hmm. Evan, is that he doesn't have the full a full army behind him, and no one like and so a lot of people just straight up believe in him and make him king off of like what they've seen so far. That's true. And so That's like, true. and so like he's young and he carves out a legendary reputation for himself. Right. With only basically two years of, of, of really being a, a big factor in Westeros. He lives such a huge indelible impact that right. that is impossible. I think for Westeros to forget. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a it's a little bit of a dark after his death is the dark time of the north, but it's still that's still something to be said. I'll, I'll, you you've convinced me a lot more than I would have thought. So okay, awesome, Direwolf. Yeah. But seriously, so we got... but, I mean, the biggest thing you convinced me on was that this guy actually acted like a king. Yeah, he fought, he fought in which is the only the only other contender that we can honestly say has done that is Stannis Baratheon. Because neither Joffrey, Balon, or Renly really did anything with that with that name. They just kind of declared themselves king. They didn't. Yeah, Renly. It's pageantry is like the only thing you can even like. Yeah, but like, right. that's 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 a that's a that's, that's just a being of... that's just partying, right? Like that's not king. No, but and so Rob Stark led his men into battle. More importantly. He beat. He beat some of the toughest battle commanders of the age. He beat. He beat Jamie Lannister. Yeah. He beat Tywin Lannister. He beat. He beat several others. He just kept and, on like. Right. The, and the fact that Tywin had to resort to the lowest of the low to beat yeah. him. Yeah. Yes. I think that's also what, what what helped convince me is like the way we put it that way, like when we spin it that way, it's just like it's like, yeah, wow. It's like that it's that the Taiwan had to do this. Like right. this. He was almost him. Like, that's like almost, that's like wow. Okay, wow. Either, it's like you must it's like again, I, I compare him to Taiwan again, but it's like Taiwan, you must have been desperate. And pretty much he was, yeah. Right. It's like you don't you don't say that to his face, but it's like he made Taiwan Lannister desperate it also that's was it, it also was a bit personal because it's just like you humiliated me a boy you, stole, you humiliated you stole me. my son you you captured my son yeah my no worse you captured you captured my golden boy yeah not just my son my heir my eldest my yeah. my my future yep so so yeah yeah Wow, when you put it like that, yeah, Rob is a true direwolf. Yep, true direwolf. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to see how his father when we talk about him in a couple yeah. uh, in the next season. So that's it for the claimants. That's it. We've covered six men who sought the Iron Throne or a throne. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of fun. We're not going to yeah. do a, a roundup. I mean. I mean, we, we could theoretically say who has the bigger legacy, 
Rob or Damon, but mm, nah. I think Damon wins that easily. Agreed. Just because, like, also, Damon starts Rob's... a century of, of civil wars. Right, whereas... and I also think Rob's too recent for it to for to know truly. Yeah, fair enough. Rob, um, Rob, has, been, Rob has been dead for less than five years. We don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, so next, but we're not done just yet. Mm-hmm. We got uh, one more idea that we want to do, which, which I'm very excited of, is we're going to mm-hmm. cover Hands of the King. Yay. Is that we're going to talk, Some... obviously, as we, we've alluded to, about uh, about Tywin Lannister. It's going to be yes. so much fun. Talk yes. about Tywin Lannister and really get into him. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the the planned hands that were hands of the king we're going to cover. Right. Corlys Valerian, hand of the yeah. king of of Rhaenyra Targaryen. Mm. And just get more get back into the Dance of the Dragons one last time. Yep, we're going back. And we're going to talk about Corlys just because I want to talk about Corlys and. <laughs> Just because I love Corliss and he's so so fun. Then we're going to talk about Blood Raven because, of course, we have to. <laughs> like we have to. And then we're going to talk about Tywin Lannister. Yep. And last but not least, we will talk about Ned Stark. Yeah. And we could do a Tywin Tyrion episode. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what we get popular about. But yeah, okay. it's a case of it, but. But I mean, many times the hands of the kings were sometimes the real rulers of Lester. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we already cheated. Like one of the great hand episodes we we already did, which was Viserys II. Right. So, so but we got plenty more more hands to discuss. Um, Septon Barth, unfortunately, I, I feel that that we don't have quite enough info on Septon Barth, even with Fire and Blood to really make an episode out of him, I'm afraid. So that's why I haven't included him on this list. Although if maybe we could have a guest on, that could help me stretch that out. Um, So that's our future plans. So in a while, we'll be back to cover the the Hands of the King. So we'll see you then. Thank you so much for coming us.